Hello and welcome to the Annotating Arts Education podcast. I'm Gigi, your podcast host, coming to you from the year 2045. Today we have an exciting episode as we are joined by Johan and Lena, two members of Classe Klima, a climate justice focused transdisciplinary educational collective founded at Berlin University of the Arts directly from the year 2022. Classe Klima facilitates events and debates at the intersection of art, design and ecology. It is therefore extremely fitting that our conversation focuses on a 2022 timespace perspective of climate justice movements. Now, let's dive into the conversation. Here at the podcast, we make it our utmost endeavour to tap into as many available time frequencies as possible. Alternative perspectives, especially through time space, are somewhat our speciality. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. I've been fiddling around with the radio signals for a few hours now and have managed to catch a clear direct line to the time zone of 2022. As a result, I'm over the moon to be joined through the ether by Johan and Lena. Johan, Lena, I hope you can hear us well enough over there. It would be brilliant if you could first introduce yourselves to our audiences here in 2045. It's such a great opportunity to talk to the time frame of 2045 from, 10, 20, <laughs> from 2022 um, because we are, since three years, we've been working with an initiative um, called Classe Klima at Berlin University of the Arts that started in 2019. Um, and of course, we would be super interested to see how things turn out until 2045. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how this gap is going to be filled. I mean, this is what we are working on at the moment. I mean, it's about um, the design or the uh, the the hopeful um, turnouts in 2045 that we are working on um, to fill this gap in a sustainable and 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 equal way and just for a just future. And we are quite um, excited about this turnout of the future and if it's hopefully just. So. Yeah, perhaps we should introduce ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Lena. I'm with Classe Klima since two years. Um, and uh, my background is in cultural studies. So I'm not a great practitioner in that sense. Um, but we're a transdisciplinary group. And um, you? <laughs> I'm Johan. I joined um, Classe Klima also for um, two years before. And... Um, I'm working as a journalist and dramaturg in Zurich and Berlin, so quite on the both places. places. And um, I would just like to mention that kind of this connection was possible because um, Lena uh, initiated um, a conference in um, about the new European Bauhaus uh, this year in March uh, 22. And we kind of established a connection between Classic Klima and School of Commons um, and School of Commons hosted in a way um, the the like digital conference part um, of of the conference that you initiated and Classic Klima hold um, and so therefore we might sit here because like then we established um, a link between the School of Commons and the initiative Classic Klima from Berlin. Mm. And maybe we have to say something about Classic Klima. The aim is to connect. Um higher institutions of higher art education or arts education in general with the principle of climate justice. Um, so 
I think 2045 is really a point in time where you can tell how that has worked out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if the efforts were... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't want to give you any spoilers from <laughs> over here, but it sounds like you're doing some very fascinating forward-focused work in 2022 already. And it's very interesting that you mentioned School of Commons because they're actually with us this week here in 2045 for the Footnotes Conference. And I think it would be fascinating to envision the two of you here talking about your projects 23 years down the line. <laughs> so I want to begin by focusing on climate justice. As you've mentioned, sustainability is a huge part of your practice and classic Klima. To you, what does climate justice have to do with CO2 accounting, if anything? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's start with CO2 accounting because that is kind of the political common sense and international climate politics in uh, yeah, the 2020s. <laughs> um, and maybe we have to make a difference. So CO2 accounting is something like a tool or an approach and climate justice is kind of an is is an is, is a way to make sense of the climate crisis to speak of causes and roots and systems that caused it and how to abolish them um, and i mean if we take the example of arts institutions in 2022 um, or also in the past years we've seen many art institutions um, looking at their own emissions um, And CO2 accounting is a way to very thoroughly analyze the sectors in which your country or institution or a person or whoever um, emits most. So that's a quite effective measure to f also to make visible the differences in consumption. Um, so it also can help to fix inequalities. But the problem is that at the moment we're all talking about net zero and everyone wants to be net zero until 2045, for example. <laughs> That's how when Berlin wants to be net zero. Interesting. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, the EU wants to be, the European Union wants to be net zero in 2050. Um, so I also have more questions to you. <laughs> um, But the problem with that is that CO2 accounting doesn't look at the systemic problems and the inequalities and injustices and doesn't want to compensate for historical um, imbalances. And the climate justice movement wants exactly that and demands exactly that actually since centuries, because the climate justice mo uh, movement builds on the decolonial practice of activists that has existed really since the beginning of colonialism. Um, But yeah, it's getting, of course, or it's not getting less urgent. Mm. Yeah. And one could perhaps summarize that um, the the idea of CO2 accounting is just um, another way of simplifying yeah. a very complex structure and a very complex problem um, that uh, that in the end um, leads to um, uh, the same entities. Um, or that leads to the same entities to profit from the inequalities. Mm. I mean, in the end, when it's about um, uh, CO2 accounting in Europe or in, in Switzerland or in Germany, it's about um, <laughs> making the, the CO2 emissions at another place. And basically this is um, uh, uh, like um, the, the replay of the very, uh, the very unequal structure. And climate justice is kind of the lens the the the, the lens to to look in this broader inequal uh, inequal structure and therefore perhaps co2 accounting is just um yeah um, uh, um a tool that that um that may maybe help to understand 
um, technical issues in an institution, but not um, focuses on the the basic the the basic problem. Mm. And also, maybe just one thing to add: CO two is not the only problem. So mm -hmm. there's also other toxicants, pollutants, water consumption, resource consumption. So it's really one tiny thing. I find it very interesting that you you draw this distinction between something as a tool or kind of a, a surface level tool and systemic problems, which are still present here today in 2045. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you know, the tools may have changed, but the problem still exists and I, I think probably mm. will forevermore. I had a quick further question about CO2 accounting. It's kind of in the name itself, but how effective is it as a tool for actual accountability? Are there repercussions if uh, organizations or the EU, for instance, will not meet its targets by 2045 or 2050? I'm interested from the lens of 2045 to think how this was foreseen in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, It really depends on where you put the frame. So who's accountable for a particular emission is very hard to say in an entangled, complex, connected, globalized world. Um, and you have to be very clear on how you put the frame um, and to make very nuanced yeah, um, conclusions from the results mm -hmm. um, and to put it in context. Um, it can be super simplifying. Mm -hmm. um, and and that that's the important. I think I like how you stress the point of accountability because CO two accounting is nothing if we don't connect it with questions of accountability that connect back to a much larger context that has historical roots. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, you no, know, I I think that's a, a wonderful question answer of who is accountable to who mm -hmm. for sure. I'm now going to move on to talk a little bit about the digital divide. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not something as apparent and urgent where you are coming from the year 2022, but I can tell you it's something of a big deal here in 2045. <laughs> so tell me, how much should we, are we concerned and involved in the digital world? Um, perhaps I, I would love to start with like the idea of digitally divide as I understand it in a way, because um, uh, like I would say, um, as we are witnessing the internet right now in 22, um, it's about an internet where very centralized entities organize the way we use a network that is basically from the idea, not a network that has a center. And um, the internet itself is kind of the idea of connecting very different dots and points and, and entities that um, that are not organized around the specific center. But when we in 22 um, access the internet, we, we access it through Google, through Facebook, whatever. Mm -hmm. These are very centralized entities. And um, to prevent this kind of, and, and therefore I would understand the digital divide between the ones that in a way organize the internet and the ones that use the internet. And um, there's a divide in power because uh, the ones that are organized the internet have much more power on um, the like um, the things you are able to access um, the way you you um, you walk or you, you you navigate in the internet and um, the ones that that are just the consumers of it so we, we see in a way a consumer orientated um, kind of internet and to make it more sustainable and and to work in a way that not um, stresses even more this kind of divide um, 
Klasse Klima uh, is really interested in stressing other forms of protocols and other forms of the understand understanding of, of, of the internet as a decentralized tool of, of communicating. And um, I would love to link to a colleague of us uh, who is Robert, um, who is really at the moment coding um, on another form of protocol that really links the idea of communication back to something that is decentral and that has no center. And it's called the matrix protocol. And that's, in the end, it means that um, really everything and everybody in the internet can be a sender again. And it doesn't mean we need the internet with a specific center that you can access only to your browser when you type in Google or whatever, but um, where everyone that wants to has a server has something that is a contribution to the internet, but not only as something um, that you consume. And so we are really interested in, in finding a way uh, to organize the internet in a way back uh, to the, or link it back to the idea where, where it might have been coming from. And that means um, an internet where, where everyone is in a way equal and not um, where, where the internet is organized in a way um, around very specific big players that, that organize everything around the way of consumption. Um, and I mean, we have very concrete hands-on examples for that because mm -hmm. there was, I mean, there was the beginning of this Corona virus pandemic in 2019. Um, and we as Classic Klima also had to move online because we did seminars, right? And we also had to do it somehow or we wanted to do it virtually. Um, and then Robert and, and his team were also part of our initiative um, just created this online platform completely autonomous from the big um, the big firms, the big platforms, and also later the basis for our conference. So our conference that we did this year, our virtual conference was also completely autonomous from the big companies, the big tech companies. And this was something like really, um, it's it was still somehow invisible to people in 2022 because all these questions that are probably um, much more open um, and visual in, in 2045. Um, yeah, it was not so visual or not so, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we managed to do this without mm -hmm. the big firms. Um, and I mean, this is something we are really interested in how it in 45 will look like, because mm -hmm. honestly, when we did it in 22, we were absolutely autonomous from all this kind of big platforms. But in the end, um, Perhaps the images were a bit more blurry and the connection was a bit more a bit more unstable, but it was autonomous. And if we working on this issue um, and we continue to, to, to be in this kind of process of, of um, structuring the Internet in another way and, and, and going our path in, in a kind of decentralized autonomy, um, the images in 45 might be more crystal clear. And this is something we are really interested in. <laughs> Well, I'm just as interested, actually, to uh, harken back to 2022 and to maybe ask you a bit more of a speculative question of if the Internet can continue in this way of a decentralized, autonomous way of communicating with crystal clear images <laughs> in the future, do you hope that the Internet will continue to be the dominant form of communication or do you secretly hope that maybe something else will take over in its place? I mean, I think... The internet can never be the only tool, right? Mm. 
is also just one thing. Or I mean, we we are, we live in many connected systems that are layering over each other in 2022, and I hope that it will continue like this, so that there's not only one option how we can um, interact and mm -hmm. how we can share knowledge, for example. And I would say, I mean, uh, perhaps we should really talk about not now because we don't have the time for that, but we really should talk about what is the internet. I mean, the internet basically is just a protocol um, where kind of decentralized form of communication is possible. It doesn't mean the internet needs to be um, a device like our smartphone was in 22 or is for yeah. us now in 22. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps it's uh, a goggle in 45 or it's something that is connected to your watch. I don't know if we really need the internet even closer and closer to our bodies. So this is something I would stress and I don't know if that's, that's the right path in a way. But um, a very kind of um, basic, informal, um, accessible way of communicating, which Can the in, which which can be the internet is something I would love to to consist and 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 to persist in the future as well, but um, I don't know if we need like um, this kind of if we need to turn down the barrier between the devices and the body and 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 this kind of things because I think it's always important to acknowledge that we are humans from flesh and 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 with blood cells uh, that are not digital in a way mm -hmm. so um, perhaps we we should talk about and till which point we, we let the internet be part of our lives mm -hmm. in the really bodily sense. But um, the idea of the internet of something to, communi to, to communicate is something I would, I would say I would love to persist. <laughs> Indeed, and, and to morph and evolve. But I, mm -hmm. I love the emphasis there on, on the body and, and the relationship, hopefully the growing relationship. But again, mm -hmm. no spoilers from me. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned, of course, that you use these platforms, alternative platforms, you give seminars. I'm interested to center on this a little further and ask you how you envision peer learning, lifelong learning, learning environments and new methodologies functioning in higher arts education in 2045, especially when you compare them to your reality in 2022. I mean, what we hope What we started with with Classic Klima was to try to establish a different space for collective peer than transdisciplinary ecological learning in 2000 from 2019 in an institution of arts education. Um, and of course, we hope that by 2045, that will be kind of common sense or maybe a, I mean, we, we, we are not all right with what we're doing. So just a kind of um, more horizontal, um, less limited idea of, of learning and like um, perhaps arts institutions or universities. I mean, there's many problems to all these concepts of university and methodology and so on. Um, but I think it would be nice if we had, if, if, university was would just function as um, meeting places and connecting places for this collective relational practice of knowledge. Um, so, I mean, what we're doing with Classic Klima today is that it's a transdisciplinary seminar. Everyone can come. People from other universities can come. We're more and more also a collective with members in Zurich um, and from different areas. Um, 
And it's about peer learning. It's student-led. So we're doing a student-led seminar. We are inviting people with particular knowledges that we find interesting. We're inviting activists. We are not only inviting, for example, climate scientists, but also people with a much more hands-on or implicit um, practiced knowledge, knowledge, informal knowledge. Um, So we're trying to, to... replace this horizontal way, no, this, this vertical way of learning, where there's an authority that teaches you a canon with a more horizontal way of learning, which is about openness. And, th- and that, I think, is a challenge for institutions. That's why I would be very <laughs> interested how it looks in 2045, um, because institutions in their nature, as they are today, tend to include and exclude and draw borders and discipline. And it's it will be so interesting how this turns. And we, when we talked about the question uh, in advance, we we also talked about the question of degrees in this kind of learning atmosphere because yes. um, we stressed the point that when when we acknowledge that knowledge is not stable, um, it's uh, quite hard to say that the degrees we get in in a university are in a way stable. And I mean, we see this kind of. Um, blurriness, we see the ma- major minor system, for example, which is a very good approach to to open um, specific forms of degrees. But um, we really need to think about a way to acknowledge different forms of tacit or informal knowledge um, that are n- that is not reflected in a master, a bachelor, a PhD, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I mean, it's very much about um, perhaps also the knowledge you need to navigate in a warming or heated world. And this is perhaps not reflected in um, in, in, in the degree when, when you um, leave a school with a master. So there, there needs to be other forms of, um, of yeah, reflecting the knowledge, perhaps also the knowledge of elderly people that, that weren't able to access a new university. So uh, yourself in 2045. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, yeah uh, hopefully I will be able to, be to get uh, a degree in the uh, in the past from you from your perspective <laughs> but who knows and um yeah this is something that is perhaps interesting yeah to to navigate different forms of acknowledgement of knowledge and um yeah perhaps one could say also that in the end it's about what what with what you leave the university with what you leave the institution and i think it's much more important to um, to leave it with a set of of knowledge that is more into or more aware of like the social sphere um, where an artist where where artists can engage rather than um, than produce an own brand or produce um, some kind of artwork that is just um, in the position of of um, of creating a brand for for a specific artist and more to engage in a sp- social and uh, social sphere as a communal worker, for example. Mm. I think we just, um, or I would even um, abolish degrees and say it's much more important to get to a way to reflect um, what I currently think I know or what my skills are, what I think I, I, I'm good at, um, what I learned, um, and also to understand this as something that is constantly dynamic and that I don't leave the university, but that it's just an open place where I can come and go and everyone can come and go. Um, and where we also learn this kind of meta perspective on what we know, what we want to know, how this might maybe um, 
how this may be a wrong idea, how we can unlearn, um, things like that. Unlearning atmospheres. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so impressed you've given this so much thought already <laughs> in 2022. Johan, Lena, it's been an absolute pleasure and honour to speak to you from the year 2022. Give my love to everybody there and I hope to see you in the ether again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Annotating Arts Education podcast. Join us next time to further explore alternative forms of arts education and to see what other time zone spaces we might just tap into. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Gigi, in 2045. Take care.